You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to another edition of Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. I am Ben Wolf, your host from Wolf's Edge Consulting, and we are going to hopefully learn from our guest today uh, about what you as a leader can let go of, how to simplify your approach to running and building your business and developing your people and uh, and your culture and what it means to take a 10 degree shift in business and in life in order to achieve more with less. So hopefully we're going to find out more about all of that. Uh, as always, remember to subscribe, leave a review, and uh, we're going to focus today, as we always do, on sharing information that all of you guys out there in the entrepreneurial community can hopefully use tools and knowledge that you can use and you know bring into your lives and your business uh, in um, you know in an immediate way. So uh, please share with others, subscribe, leave a review, listen to this wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. And uh, with that, I want to get into some background information on our guest today. She hails from Meriwether, New South Wales, Australia. Hopefully I pronounced that right. Uh, she is the founder and head of UQ. I guess that's like IQ, but UQ Power, which provides consulting, speaking, coaching, and training to businesses looking to, uh, and leadership teams, managers looking to improve their culture, their brand, and develop their people. Uh, she's founded several people, uh, several companies, not Excuse me. She's founded several <laughs> companies uh, and won the Lake Macquarie City Entrepreneur of the Year Award. Uh, previously, she has worked as a director. Uh, before that, she had direct, worked as director of government work health and safety regulator at Work Cover NSW over there in Australia. Uh, you can learn more about what she does for businesses and how she helps build them at uh, www.uq, that's the letter Q, power dot com dot au and uh, also hopefully she'll remind us of this later on but you can also get some free tools um, that relate to some of the work that she does and you could benefit from those at her other website uh, www.alexandria that's alexandria with an i not alexandra alexandriajoy.com.au slash giveaway uh, and with that as you might have guessed from the website address uh, with that i give you alexandria joy welcome Hey, hi, Ben. Great to be online with you today. Thanks so much, and great to have you as well. Um, I, you know, we were joking before, because uh, you know, you're over there in Australia, we are joking before that it, it feels like time travel. I'm talking to someone in the future that's experiencing things that we haven't yet. It's, it's in the early evening over here in the East Coast, and by you, it's you know, mid-morning the next day. So I feel like, I feel like we're engaged in time travel right now. Exactly. I often add futurists when I'm in America to my bio just because I am, because I'm usually in the future yeah. from you guys. Yes. <laughs> it's a beautiful beach weird. day here in Australia today. Oh, that's nice. Well, it's a nice cold, cold day here in, on, uh, in, the, in, in New York. But um, <clears throat> anyway, so, um, so I, I want to, you know, do, you know, starting off with you, like, like, like I often do with other people that we have on the show here, is is that I know you guys, I know that you help organizations build a healthier, a better culture. And so I just like to start off by, you know, asking people to give a, a quick two minute history on kind of 
how you got to this. Just give us a little context for how you you come to be working and helping and helping people with their with their culture. Sure. Thanks, Ben. And I'll be as brief as I can. So cut me off. Um, uh, so I started out uh, going to uni, doing the whole go to uni, get a job or college, as you would call it. And um, oh, uni I work is like university. So I did, okay. University. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Thanks. We you talk in to, abbreviations in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I studied uh, public relations, corporate communication and radio. And so I started my career working in uh, a large healthcare organization that had a hospital attached to it, about 10,000 staff. So a really large organization and then worked worked in corporates um, and government organizations for about 15 years and really had the opportunity to work my way up. Um, And what I observed all the time was just that no matter how good a job was or how good, um, you know, your role might be or how satisfying that might be, there was always challenges with other humans and there were always people who were unhappy. And in some ways I started to see the longer people were in a career, the more they were unwell in in lots of ways. And I started to think, have we got something wrong in the way we're all, you know, dragging ourselves to work nine to five or nine to 10 or whatever it might be. And... And yet I also saw pockets of teams that were thriving and that loved what they did and that were, you know, souped up, ready to come each day. And for myself, um, I did begin to burn out and I would have told you I was okay. Um, Mm. But when I eventually escaped, I call myself a corporate refugee. Um, It wasn't until I left and actually had... um, medical people check me out and they said you've got no female hormones left your adrenals are absolutely shot um you know what are you doing to yourself uh that i realized the impact that the corporate life yeah it was just working long hours it was being on call um it was you know trying to deliver and change things but in a large organization then i was probably in an organization of about four thousand people but um I just found it really challenging and it was partly because we were responsible to ministers in government and they kept changing the game and I felt Mm -hmm. really responsible for my people and I did try to leave a number of times and then they'd offer me something else or can you work on this exciting project or here's more money and eventually I realised I needed to get out and I'd also hired a coach to help me manage my stress and to help me perform better I guess I was looking for that edge and the more and more I worked with that um, private coach which I paid for and did outside of that the more mm. I went I want to do what you're doing I love this <laughs> and it was all so it was growth a mindset what, so it was a lot of what you teach is, is from what you learned from coaching or like where, where did you where did you get the knowledge and skills that you're now using to teach others absolutely a bit of a mix of both I ended up going and enrolling in coach you which is in Texas in America a training program to learn to be a coach mm-hmm. over a year but I also had worked primarily in organizations on change. So helping an organization shift from being more of a regulator to an advisor, supporting cultures to be more approachable and enriching and those sorts of things. And so I'd really looked at how do we work with stakeholders better? You know, how are our employees responding to those changes and communicating and um, working with executives on those? So I'd done a lot of it through my actual work, but then the coaching training, I guess, added a whole nother level 
level. And since then, I've gone on to do a whole range of things like NLP, hypnotherapy. Mm. Um, I'm a trained yoga therapist. So I look at the Ayurveda and the medical side of things as well. Um, And it's been that whole blend around what makes humans healthy at work and what makes a healthy workplace. Be that whether you're a small business with 10 staff or you have 10,000 staff. What is it that makes work rewarding and fulfilling? Because I really believe, you know, business and organisations are the lifeblood of the world and that possibly they're the most underutilised resource for solving many of our human and planetary problems. So the more we can harness and help people enjoy and love what they're doing and being passionate and juiced up, the more we can actually change the world. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a long story short how I came about to be doing what I'm doing. Right. Well, that that, that, that is interesting. And, you know, obviously your experience is, is very varied and, uh, you know, it comes and comes, you know, you're coming at this from a lot of different directions. Um, so to start, to start speaking about what some of things those things are that people can do to, I guess, maximize, you know, their you know, these, these change agents, you know, the, the, you know, any organization, company, uh, business, you know, in the world, if people are looking to do that. So try to understand your approach to that better. So I guess one question is, you know, you speak, you speak in your website, uh, one common theme is, uh, is about the importance of like a 10 degree lift or a 10 degree shift in an organization. So can you explain mm. that? And, and like, you know, what does that, what does that mean? Sure. Um, so often people will contact us and say, we know there's something not quite right, or we'd like to improve, or we're going through some challenging times or whatever that might be. And I'll often say, are you looking for a lift or a shift? So for me, a lift is more of a short-term temporary thing. So we've got some big challenge happening, or maybe we're going for some funding or whatever it might be, and we just need a lift. So we need something that's going to get us over the line and help our people in that short term. And so a lift might be doing a wellness program or coming and doing a keynote speech or giving them some tips and some simple things to do. Whereas a shift for me is uh, more of that sustainable change and it tends to be more organic um, and it will obviously happen over time. And um, I'm a property investor as well. So I've been investing in property for about 20 years and it's what enabled me to leave corporate world because Mm. I had enough certainty um, to be able to jump because I was like, oh, I could sell a house if I got stuck. Um, Mm. And, you know, and even that mindset of being an entrepreneur, I knew I wanted more freedom and, you know, to be in more control of what I was doing. And so it enabled me to do that. And so as a property um, owner and developer, I know that there is this thing called compound interest and that over time things um, compound and snowball. And I see culture change and improving our work or our business in much the same way. So it's the tiny 10 degree lifts or shifts that we do that really start to compound and make a difference. And often people will say, okay, we need to do something to improve. They go and do a staff opinion survey or something like that, which Mm -hmm. I think are a bit silly because I go, if you're a parent, do you text your child in the next room and say, how do you think I'm going as a parent? No, you go and sit on the bed with them and have a chat, right? So I'm all for human communication and keeping it real. And um, so instead of doing sometimes big initiatives or thinking I've got to put a whole heap of money behind something or it's got to be major, I go, what are some of the small shifts we could make? And that could be the way we language and talk about something. Um, But more often than not, it could be our mindset 
or the clutter and the waste that we've got. So what could we minimalise as far as policies and procedures or maybe we're wasting too much time in meetings and we've got 10 people in every meeting and is that necessary? And I always look around and say in every meeting you have, add up the salaries of the people that are in the room. And if there's 10 of you and you're all at $100 an hour, that's an expensive meeting, right? And so (laughs) am I getting $5,000 value from that hour? if you get what I mean. So um, I'm all for going, what are some small shifts we can make around our mindset, around our language, around the things that we're doing or not doing that over time are going to add up to really start moving the ship? Yeah. Right. So, well, and that actually combines a couple of things I want to ask you about. So may- maybe you could speak more about that. You, you mentioned even on the 10 degree lift piece, you know, again, just trying to think of a, a practical you know, practical bits of information or knowledge that people can apply right away. So thinking like when you say, you know, mention like 10 degree lifts or, or, or just like, you know, what are, what are some tools that, I mean, and you sort of mentioned one example here about just like analyzing, you know, what, what policies or procedures can be eliminated or shortened or, you know, Mm -hmm. which, which meetings are just there because we've been doing it that way but what value is it really still giving and and just kind of trying to cut the fat I guess when it comes to meetings or when it comes to policies and practices um I mean so that so that that could be good that could be practical um but what are some what what are some other things so those are good examples which we appreciate what what are some other you know lifts or shifts you know minor things maybe that can help uh, that can help you know, improve the culture, make things better, more vibrant, more growing. Mm. So uh, uh, simple things, meetings, I think are big because so many organizations and companies, big or small, use meetings. So it could be just shifting all of our meetings instead of making them hour long. And we do that because our outlook or our meeting planner or whatever we've got has calendared blocks like that. So we block out an hour and then humans fill the space they give themselves. So if we've blocked out an hour, we'll fill it. But if we said that meeting's half an hour or even 45 minutes, so I'm really big for the 45-15 rule as I call it. So have a 45-minute meeting, make sure it's over by then and then people have 15 minutes before the next thing they're going on to, to go to the bathroom, to make a cup of tea, to have a chat to someone or to prepare for whatever's next for them. So giving yourself a bit of breather and space. So thinking about 45-15, in the same way, especially I find lots of entrepreneurs and businesses often have that open plan kind of environment Um, and so we can be really disruptive of each other in lots of ways which is nice for getting engagement but not great when you need productivity so you might think about could we do a 45 15 rule um, for the first half of the day each day and that might mean 45 minutes of each hour so 9 to 9 45 10 to 10 45 we agree that it's quiet time so we focus on whatever task we're doing individually mm-hmm. if I think I want to interrupt someone else I jot down a note um, and I don't necessarily email them or put it on slack or whatever I'm using because I don't want to interrupt their focus time right. right so I might jot my note down but not send it and then in the 15 minutes at the end of each of those hours 9 45 to 10, 10, 45 to 11, that's when it's free for all. We all interrupt each other. That's when we chat, you know, we engage with each other. And I've that's seen an organizations, idea. yeah, I've seen organizations do this. And in a week they go, oh my gosh, we've we've nailed projects like <laughs> that have been hanging around forever 
just because we did three hours of focus time every morning, you know, three Mm -hmm. of those 45 minute chunks. So that could be something simple. It could also be introducing something. So it could be a book of the week or that we have meeting free Fridays or anything at all that you think what's going to benefit us and grow us? What's going to add more mastery? Is it something we need to learn more? Is it something we need to do less? Um, And in the policies and procedures realm, I know Netflix in their major change from being kind of that pick, pack and post DVD shipping Mm -hmm. company into being an online streaming company and a film producer, essentially. Um, They looked at all of their policies and procedures and said, what could we minimalize here? And they had a uniform policy and they were like, do we really need a uniform policy? So they got rid of it because it was just something Mm -hmm. to maintain. And they said, no one's ever showed up naked. (laughs) So, you know, um, we often have things that we're not thinking about in the same way they got rid of their travel expenses policy, which was really hard for people to understand. They were like, okay, so I've got $42 for dinner and does that have to be this or that? And now they just say, do whatever is in the best interest of Netflix. So that's their policy is a simple statement. Use Mm -hmm. your best judgment, do what's best. And for me, that's what's moving a culture into a freedom-based culture rather than a control culture. And last century and, you know, industrialized businesses and the way we've done business for, for a good 50 or 60 years has been around control. And that's really disempowering and it's stifling of creativity and it's starting to become unwieldy. It takes way too much time and it zaps the life out of the humans that you have and you want your humans to be juicy. So I'm all for moving towards more freedom-based cultures. Right. I hear, I mean, you know, you're firing off a lot of neurons, but you know, from, from all these different things that you're, that you're saying, uh, (laughs) one thing based on the last part, um, you know, that just reminds me of, is, is this idea of, of leadership in terms of, you know, in terms of doing it in a way that empowers your people rather than, you know, disempowers or makes them disengaged, you know, which is having more outcome-based delegation where you like de- mm. define sort of the outcome that we're looking for and let them figure out how to get there and not as opposed to a, a process-based direction Mm. where do you know do this and then do this and do this and follow this exact process but that the process you know obviously you have to have documented processes but that the what you're documenting and what you're directing is more outcome based it's like this is what you know this is what it needs to look like in the end is what needs to get done and um the specific details or the way it's done people can uh show their own initiative and you know get it done and and you know in the best in the best way obviously it's a balance but um, but uh, but to the extent that you can get the right outcomes, you know, with an with an outcome based direction, uh, you can have people be more empowered. So it's like a uh, I idea. couldn't I couldn't agree more. And I think that's where learning coaching for me was such a game changer because what we want to see is more of a coach approach in the way we lead and manage people. So instead of being hugely directive about how they do everything, we start having conversations with them to get them thinking about how would you best approach this and using your strengths and skills, what's mm-hmm. you know going to work for you. And in lots of ways, corporate planning has a lot to blame for this in some ways as well, because for years we've been measuring different things and we've been measuring busyness. We've been measuring, okay, we'll have released six, you know, different products by this date instead of going, well, what impact are those products going to have? Why are we doing it? 
what's that going to do for the customer? How is it going to benefit them? And how can we measure that stuff instead? Because then we start shifting to being more outcome-based rather than just going tick a box. I can say I was busy and I did the six things I promised the board I'd do. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So there's a lot to think about from that. I mean, one, <laughs> one other, no, uh, I mean, I don't mean that flippantly. I mean, I mean, I mean, that, yes. you know, seriously, um, you know, because you, you do think of, you know, let's say the number of leads, number of closed deals, or, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, there's different things we look at as being important metrics and, and those are important and having activities based metrics is, I, I, I mean, I do feel is important. Um, so it's just, a, it's just something to think about, about, you know, where can, where can we at least ask the question, what, what, what is the ultimate outcome and, ha- you know, and what metrics might, might measure how we're working towards that outcome and be less defining of how we get there. So that's just, you know, so mm. I, I do mean that seriously, that that, that is an, an interesting question to think about. And obviously each business that that'll have a different answer, you know, in, in a different way. But um, what I wanted to, to, to get back to another thing you said earlier, which was about simplifying downsizing um, is to, to speak about that, which is, which is that, you know, and you speak about it in your website and everything or your websites, uh, how you downsized from, you know, I guess living in a regular house to a, a tiny house, uh, how mm-hmm. you downsized even your name from Heidi Alexandra Joy Pollard to, you know, to Alexandra Alexandria Joy, and then even that is downsized to AJ. So, uh, yeah, what what is that? What is all? What does that story signify for you? You mm. know, and 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 what what do you use it to teach to teach your clients? Ah, um. So I guess in lots of ways, as we evolve as humans and as I've evolved throughout my career and my life, um, I really wanted to be more conscious and have more of an awareness of what is my impact on the earth. I wanted to tread lightly. Um, how how am I being? And I had realized how cluttered my life had gotten and kind of how overwhelmed and that was part of my you know burnout phase. But mm-hmm. when I really looked at it, I realized, I'd done a lot of that to myself um, because I'd bought into what society, you know, kind of had taught me was the right way to go about things. And I was accumulating stuff and then I'd spend my whole weekend maintaining that stuff, you know, washing the car and cleaning the house and doing the gutters and, you know, lawns and what whatever else it might be. And I realised, oh, like... I'm now having an experience of life that feels a bit like drudgery because it's full of all this stuff and all of these commitments. And like most good entrepreneurs, I have quite a freedom um, driver. That's one of my highest values. And Mm -hmm. I didn't feel free. I felt very constrained. And I'd also been in a uh, long-term relationship, so a marriage that was also quite constraining um, Mm -hmm. in lots of ways and had become quite stifling. And Mm -hmm. I was yearning for freedom. And interestingly freedom didn't mean more space in in my dwelling it meant less <laughs> and as I started to let go of things and really started to look at what does give me joy what, what am I enjoying what is it that I'm looking for in life and I'd have to say meditation was a big part of that learning meditation and then spending more quiet time in the space within um, mm-hmm. seeing how much growth and expansion Um, and flow I was finding in my business and in my life just by actually being more at peace and letting go and having less attachment to things um, really started me on a bit of a journey and in the beginning I was slow and it was very deliberate and 
in small parts. And I often looked at the work of the minimalists, the two gentlemen from America who do a lot around minimalizing. And I did one of their challenges, which is a 28 day challenge. So on day one, you get rid of one thing, day two, two things, three. And so by day 28, you're looking for 28 things to shed. And um, in the beginning, I was counting (laughs) bobby pins and earrings. You know, it was like, oh, there's three things. And then I did a second round of it and I got really ruthless. And Mm. this is going to sound terrible because I sound like a Melda Marcos or something, but I got rid of 660 items of clothing and 40 pairs of shoes and still had a substantial amount of stuff. And I realized that I had been mood altering. So when I was stressed, I would go and buy something or, Mm. you know, add something to my house and my life. And instead I started to go, what if it was space that I was yearning for? And I'm big on space, white space in the calendar, blue space, blue sky thinking, green space getting out in nature. And those were the things that renewed me. And the more I really just started to be conscious and observe my life, the more I started to lean towards the things that, um, you know, enriched me. When it came to property, I had, uh, I primarily invest in low to mid socioeconomic housing. So I have, you know, beautiful tenants, people that I've had for 10 and 20 years as tenants. Um, And I started to notice people were really struggling to pay the rent. And I was having more and more people saying to me, can I pay off, you know, this month's rent? You know, I don't have enough. And um, that hadn't been the case. And I think we got hit in Australia with the global financial crisis maybe three or four years after you guys it had a bit of a lag effect for us. And I was really starting to see that. And I thought, oh, you know, what, what like can I do? To- like- yes. Okay. Yeah. So it hit us a bit later and I started to see real rent distress in my tenants and people saying, have you got something cheaper? Have you got something smaller? And I started to look at and do quite a bit of work with women leaving domestic violence situations. So I'm on a board of a charity that does that. And more Mm. and more, we started to see older women um, who were homeless and we would have women coming and using our services and having a shower and washing their clothes at our facilities and they were living in their cars. And I was like, there has to be housing solutions for these people. And so that's when I started investigating tiny houses. And they're obviously quite large in America. And you guys um, do have a lot of, I guess, what they'd call trailer parks and a lot of that smaller housing. We didn't have so much of that here in Australia. Mm -hmm. And um, it was very new here. And so I commissioned a builder to build me a prototype tiny house. And I said, I want it to be sustainable, less impact on the environment, all of those sorts of things. So it's an eco-friendly off-grid. It has a compost toilet. It's all solar powered. And Mm. as the project got towards the end, you know, I fell in love with it because I was involved in it every day and I was Googling and looking at everything going on around the world. (laughs) Japan has a great tiny house movement. And I was looking at all these clever things and how to do less with more, um, more with less, sorry. And I went, well, how could I expect these people to live in these houses if I wouldn't myself? And um, so it really started to hit me more and more. And I was living in a four-bedroom house at the time. And so I cleared out more of my stuff and I emptied two of those rooms. And I was like, right, nothing else goes back in those rooms. And as I started to minimalize, I started to feel lighter and more free. And when there's something in this, you know, owning less and being more free, And so I ended up saying to the builder, right, this is going to be my house now. I'm going to pilot it and live in it for a year or something and see what that's like. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's been my journey. 
Um, I've had six months where I've not been living in my house, so I began in it, but then my mother became seriously ill and had a stroke and I went and lived with my parents to care for her full time. Um, but I've recently just got back into the tiny house and there is nothing more freeing than looking out the window. And if you don't like it, you change the view, you know, move on because I tow mine and, um, you know, (laughs) yeah, eating your dinner outside every night, you know, we have a climate that allows that here and traveling around and moving and getting a feel for villages and towns and places and going, Oh, what do I love about it here? And. I feel much more connected to the land and to the seasons. And so even looking at my business, I'm less about drive and push and I'm more about what's the season I'm in and what's most enriching here and how can I add most value. So it has totally shifted my perspective on everything, I have to say. Yeah. That is, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is definitely very, very fascinating. Uh, you know, and I guess what, what would you say is like from what you've learned about minimalizing and and then letting go what would you say is like the biggest takeaway that you have for i mean look most people obviously are not going to practically speaking do something mm-hmm. like that but mm-hmm. what you know with their you know, tiny house and, and and everything which is hats off you know but like what would you say is like maybe from from what you've learned from that some of the biggest takeaways for you know for your for your clients or people in business I would say just really simply to come down to what are the gainers and what are the drainers in life? And that's what it really helped me be more conscious and aware of that I started to really notice things, pick them up and, or as I was doing something, is this really gain, you know, a gainer for me? Is it giving me energy? And I started to think as a filter. Yeah. Um, And a bit like Marie Kondo talks about, does it give me joy? And joy is important to me given it's my name, but, um, you know, is something draining me? And so it was even things like I was on about three or four boards and of charities. And as much as I believed in them, for a couple of them, the value that I could add had been when they were newer and in a startup realm. Mm-hmm. And I'm very good with companies when they're in that new phase or mm-hmm. a really strong growth phase. But some of these had become then larger and they'd employed a lot more people internally that could mm-hmm. do some of the things I used to support them with and advise mm-hmm. on. And... And I was like, I'm kind of there out of obligation or habit now. And also I'm taking up a space that could right. be someone else on the board that could add more value at the phase and the season that they're in. So right. it was being realistic and starting to go, guys, I think it's time for me to step off. And, you know, the freedom that gave me, it might only be one meeting a month, but it was also feeling an obligation to it. So right. I think look at your life that way. You know, am I doing something out of obligation? Am I right. seeing some friends because I feel I have to, you know, not to be ruthless in that way, but to honor no, yourself I, and go, what's giving me energy? Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that, I definitely hear that. Right. So with, with one's own life, with, with the organization, mm-hmm. just to be more, just to be more discerning, you know, thinking, mm. thinking what, you know, using that as a filter as you know, what what value you know why are we why are we doing this why am i doing this what value is this doing now is this because it was relevant before is it still relevant now if so great you know continue doing it if Mm -hmm. not um then maybe it's something to let go of and just yeah that simplifying is is a continuing is it's a continuing process and yeah i I definitely see that that could be 
you know, just continually cutting the fat, you know, and you yes. know, personally and, uh, and in, uh, and, and in the, you know, and in the business. Um, so look with, with the idea of, of simplifying and, you know, very dramatically personified by the, you know, by the tiny house and the change of name, <laughs> which just, you know, really gets it into a concrete form, but just using that as a, as a strong signifier of, the idea of simplifying and you know and using filters always asking what's still necessary uh mm -hmm. those kind of 10 degree shifts or lifts you know with uh you know with inspiring things that could be a lift or little shifts like you mentioned you know no meeting fridays or having you know the 45 15 idea was really cool and actually with the no meeting fridays it was funny i just sat in on a on a weekly meeting at, an, at, a, at a certain organization today and they, one of the items on the agenda was considering whether to have a no meeting day uh, for that, you know, Yay. for similar reasons. <laughs> but, but, uh, but anyway, so very interesting. And, uh, you know, I really uh, appreciate what you're saying. Like I said, at the beginning, uh, people can find out more about what you do for organizations and your speaking uh, engagements and possibilities at uqpower.com.au. And uh, people can also get more tools, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, to learn about some of the stuff you spoke about today and hopefully, you know, get more information and benefits from what you've been speaking about today at alexandriajoy.com.au slash giveaway uh, where you mm -hmm. can get some free tools. And, um, you know, thank you so much for being on. I think it's a great value and uh, there's some great information today. Oh, thanks so much, Ben. And I think... In, in closing, I just want to say to people, we can't always control everything in life, but we can control our experience of it. And that's probably what I've learned most is to not be so mindless in my life and that the stress mm -hmm. reduction came about being mindful and just going, I can control my experience. So, you know, let there be joy. <laughs> Thanks Amen. for having me on the show. No problem. <laughs> Thank you very much for being on and we will see everybody on the other side. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.